afternoon. I'm Dr. James Smith Jr. And welcome to another episode of The Dr. James Show. Thank you for joining us. And I promise you, and I promise each week, we will provide another game-changing experience. We can't start this journey without my co-pilot. Let's bring her on right now, Shannon Peck. Welcome back for another week of The Dr. James Show. How are you? I'm so excited. This week, we're in for an exciting ride. I'm already excited. Uh, I've gotten a little sneak preview to talk to and meet our our upcoming guests that you're getting ready to- You said little, little sneak? Nothing this guy does is little, okay? I know, we can't even fit him in the screen. (laughs) His personality is so big. But before we even go there, Dr. James, I wanna welcome everyone for joining us again this week. Those of you who are new, uh, welcome. If you don't know, or if you already have before, please participate. We want to light this chat room up for our upcoming guests, ask questions, make your comments. We're going to do our best in the hour to get those questions answered for you and share the comments with our special guests. So I'm really excited. Wow. Buckle up. Buckle up. It's time for us to do what we do. Our guest, gosh, I'm going to share a little bit about him. This is what you would find out if you check out his LinkedIn profile or his marketing materials, that he's a tenured CEO, executive leadership coach. He's the president and CEO of Leadership Pacing. But for me, in the two months that I've gotten to know Bob Weinhold, I just say he is an executive coach and career development whisperer. This guy gets it done. Welcome to our show, Bob Weinhold. Bob. How are you, my friend? Dr. James, great to be here today. Hey, I love your red, red, love it. <laughs> looking good, looking good. How are you? What's going I'm, on? How are you today? I'm great. This world is in a, a lot of chaos and turmoil, and uh, we have the opportunity to try and move through things with um, ease and uh, also helping out others around us. And so I'm I feel a great opportunity to share a little bit about what I've done in life and uh, hope that those words might resonate with a few folks along the way. Oh, they will. They will. And before I go there, something you just said about this year, the chaos, the unprecedented time we're living in. This is, wow. What has this year been like for you as a business owner, as a practitioner, philanthropist, husband, father, adventurer, What has 2020 been for you? Um, Well, if you guys can grab some punch that they just talked about, uh, (laughs) that'll end for quite some time. But uh, I think I'll start. And and at the family front, it's it's been a really interesting opportunity to navigate differently with children at home that are um, in college and and also in high school, um, and then much more time in the family with my wife. Those things have created some incredible opportunities and also uh, challenges to deal with the friction of, of being so close to each other. Uh, my adventuring has been um, probably increased rather than decreased. And from a professional standpoint, I have a really unique perspective to deal with folks nationally and internationally that are dealing with the pandemic at different stages as it progresses and in different ways with impact to their business. Some have really constricted. Others have gone incredibly with their growth. And then the common theme for most everyone is just the desire and concern to be there 
and be healthy and be supportive for the longer journey that's ahead. And clearly with the vaccines coming out, we're excited about that, but the next uh, quarter plus is gonna be tough for all of us. Yeah, yeah. You talked about journey ahead. Let's rewind a little bit. Your life has been some journey. I mean, reading your highlight reel, looking at your materials, your experiences, wow, OMG. Can you uh, take us back a little bit and, and walk us through some of those highlights, highlights that played a role in you getting here today? From um, hospital, from the Olympics. I mean, I can go on and on, but I'd rather you, you bring yes. us. So I, I like to go all the way back and say I'm the product of a nurse and an engineer. So from a very young age, I, I've cared about people and I've thought in terms of systems and I've tried to figure out how to have an impact in life that allowed those things to come through on what I did each and every day. Um, took me through psychology and sports science in college. I was a competitive athlete at the time. I really enjoyed that. Um, graduate work in sports psychology uh, team and individual performance enhancement, uh, but also out of a clinical program. So um, I worked in sports psychology and became a therapist, but I also helped teams. And I was down, as you said, down in the Olympics in 96, helping folks out um, and then got to run an impaired professionals program. So I treated folks that had drug and alcohol problems and mental health issues that impacted their jobs, doctors, nurses, pharmacists, pilots, pre-CEOs, all those folks along the way to try and help them get back to a place where they were contributing, feeling better, and actually were better than they ever were before. Um, did that for a number of years, then jumped uh, from a, a large kind of management role and then moved into an executive role and started running hospitals as COO and CEO. Did that for many years, over a decade, and uh, in the last seven years have had a chance to combine all those things and kind of my life view and experience and try and help businesses and executives grow along the way, um, avoid some of the caning that I've had and the, the scars that I've had and uh, figure out where to accelerate where they can. Bob, I've read where you have worked with Supreme Court justices as well. Yeah, I had a chance to, uh, to talk to them about how to um, deal with impairment and deal with folks that are struggling and, and how to reach out and create accountability in the courts but also help folks get healthy and get back to work. It's a pretty powerful thing to do. Well, tell us more about what you're currently doing with the leadership pacing group. Yeah, I, I, sometimes people ask me exactly what I do or what I'm called or all those things. And I say, some folks call me a business advisor. Some people call me an executive coach. Some people call me, uh, I guess, uh, a coaching whisperer. Um, at the end of the day, uh, I don't see myself as particularly a consultant. I've got a lot of broad experiences that help people understand how their leadership can grow their financial business faster, their people so that they're better able to reach the next level of performance and do that in a capacity focused on business results, how they're perceived as a leader, build some skills and have all that balance out with who they are as an individual. Because if you miss that part, yeah. some of the impact, you can't accelerate the other areas of your world. Bob, let's just say you put the wine hold on them. How about that? What's that? Let's just say you put the wine hold on them. I, sometimes I do. I, I have some pretty direct conversations with people at times. 
with some of these leaders that you've dealt with and that you are currently dealing with, what are some of the challenges they face or some of the blind spots they have? And I'm sure you work with myriad executives and leaders. Are you seeing similar challenges, similar blind spots? Have they evolved this year? Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, I, one of the, the, I guess, gifts and talents I try and bring to people is an ability to look forward and as you get a picture of that future vision of where you want to be, how things are working, it's important to jump to that kind of better performance, what you really want it to be first, before you think about where you are and how to get there. When folks can jump there, that allows us greater clarity to work on how you put the pieces in then in place to do that. The pandemic, or as I was just talking with my, my client from San Juan, and she says the pandemia, the pandemia um, has forced people to really focus on how to survive in the moment. And especially in the, in the second quarter of, of 2020, people were just focused on how to survive immediately. Now we're starting to look forward again. And so that's kind of the work that I have to do congruently with everyone right now is have some optimism but the realism of how to get the ability to move forward. And I'm sure there's steps to do that. I find that the people that I'm working with, they're looking back, wanting things to go back to the way they once were or being frustrated with where they are right now and frustrated because they don't know what tomorrow looks like. Mm -hmm. Are you experiencing some of that? And, and what are you, what advice are you giving? <sighs> I, th I think there, this is cliche, but there's, we're not going to go back to the old normal or, or return to normal. And so I think it's really important to help people believe that they've got a fair amount of insight and experience that can really help them look forward. I was on a board of directors call with a, with a health clinic that we provide care to um, uninsured people. And the the virus has forced us to deliver some of our medicine to the most needy patients in our community through their cell phones by not coming into the clinic. Never would we have thought that. We would have thought that that wouldn't have worked, but helping people understand there are new ways that can deliver equal, if not greater benefit and value is something that I benefit from having contact and context in so many areas of business, philanthropy and geography from, from Canada to Europe to, to the Caribbean. This is good, this is good. I'm feeling a Shannon moment coming on. I'm feeling a Shannon moment. Shannon, any questions in the chat room? Any thoughts, what's, what's going on out there? No, I was thinking about leadership and how you guide folks to try to look forward and have forward thinking. Do you find that a challenge? I imagine these folks are the ones reaching out to you for help, but do you find a little bit of resistance even in them asking for help? Because I do see a lot of organizations getting stuck a lot of times mm -hmm. instead of being proactive, they get caught in that rut of reactive. Do you, mm -hmm. do you find that? a little bit resistance and help, even though they've solicited it? <laughs> I, I do. Um, I guess, Shannon, I, I choose to work with clients under a, a handful of criteria, but the first couple are really important, which is they have to be growing and believe that growth is important and moving forward to do that work. I at times say, I don't do broken wing work. 
Like if somebody wow. comes to me and I've got a problem or I've got a problem employee, I need them fixed. I say, that's great. Find somebody else. <laughs> if you want to figure out how to really transform and make something new and evolve to something you haven't been before, I'm that person. And I, I say to my kids and sometimes to my client, my a great attribute, but a, a, a big uh, weakness can be, I usually see farther forward for people than they can see for themselves. And I believe the timeline in getting there is quicker than they are oftentimes ready. So that makes it tough to be a wine hold kid or some other people that have <laughs> conversations with me at times. <laughs> Thanks, Shannon. Speaking of a wine hole child, I wrote this question down for you. Get ready. Okay. How does a father of three a CEO, philanthropic, faith-involved guy, train and run 100-mile races. I'm tired of saying it. <laughs> um, I think, you know, uh, running 100 miles is um, kind of overwhelming for a lot of people to think about. But, you know, the reality is, is you take one step at a time and, um, some 24 or 30 hours later, you get there, uh, up and down a mountain and a few of those things. Um, and that, if I use that as a basis, it helps me and people around me understand that during that course, you're going to have some times where you feel really good and really bad. And the greatest part about completing 100 miles is you've gone through feeling about as good as you've ever felt and as bad as you've ever felt, and you've still completed so I use that in terms of how I live with my family and how I work as a CEO. And in those periods of time, the training and some of that disciplined, I use the word intentioned, I'm so intentioned, it allows me to fit a lot of other things in. And frankly, it gives me more energy to do those things. Uh, Dr. James, sometimes I look at my life as a bicycle wheel. There's a hub in the middle and a bunch of spokes. And if I only have one or two spokes, if one of those goes bad, I'm not doing well. But when I define myself as a father, as a husband, as a CEO, as a, as a crazy 100 mile runner, or something like that, it allows all of those to build like a flywheel. And then when I hit a bump, I've got enough spokes in place that I keep rolling. I don't tip over. Mm. So that's how I pull it together. And for me, that's been really critical um, and frankly, the driver of some success that I've been able to achieve in a few areas of my life. Well, I want to keep going with this because I thought I was a risk taker. I did. I thought I was. But our investigator reporters went out. We found some, some pictures of you in action. I want you to explain what's going on with this one first. What's happening here? What's that? Uh, Why, you can't even just walk on the street. You have to go. What's, what's happening? That's in Glacier National Park uh, many, many years ago. And that's a spire that's about 30 or 40 feet up. And I climbed up with that. And if you look kind of to the right of the frame, uh, you'll see another mountain. And um, the, the, the task was to jump from that over to the side of the mountain. Stop, stop. Oh, my. <laughs> that, that's it. Um, that's about as good a picture as I'll ever get in my life. And the good news is I actually landed. But um, I think to the untrained eye, people would say, gosh, that's really risky because if you'd fallen 40 feet, you would have bounced once and then fallen 2,000 feet and never would have lived. But I spent um, many months training and learning how to do broad jumps and, 
if I walked out there and hadn't done that, it was a risk not worth taking. But when you prepare, just like in business, if you've prepared and you're able to absorb the risk, great rewards are out there. And this is a, a favorite picture of mine. Well, that's, that's my next question. First of all, love the picture, love both of them. Look how high you are and you're focused <laughs> on going forward. Yeah, I love it. How do experiences like these, how do experiences like these help us as professionals, help us as leaders, executives, where we're out of the classroom, yeah. we're out of the Zoom room, we are attempting to dominate and devour life, game-changing situations. How do they help or how have they, how have they helped you? I strongly encourage growth development experience outside of what my standard world is and outside of what the leaders that I work with. So often, executives and leaders are very focused on how you apply a certain leadership principle to a certain element of the business. And that's helpful as long as that certain element comes up at the exact same time and you can apply it in the exact same way. When I'm out on a mountain, or this past winter, I went on a mountaineering expedition with my daughter, and we were on mountains in the snow, single digits, 70 mile an hour winds, and you have to problem solve and be very focused at how not to get blown off the mountain, get hurt or die. But what that does is it teaches the brain how to problem solve with a variety of variables coming in at different times. I use those experiences, and I'll tell you, how it played out. I was CEO of a hospital not far from where I live and um, had a, a normal Thursday morning and we had a bomb threat come in. And I had to pull my management team into a room and most of them were very, very upset and couldn't figure out how to deal with it. And for me, that's a moment of establishing calm, clarity of thinking, consistency of how we follow up with things. And it's from the outside experiences that I've had, whether it's jumping across to a mountain or riding on, a, on my road bike down a, a hill at 55 miles an hour on 23 millimeter tires, learning how to focus on what's important, enjoy that experience, and then take it out to the other areas of life. I strongly encourage that for individuals, leaders, and even in the leadership teams that I've done, we would do book studies on content that was not specific hospital related so that we would learn how each other learn. That's an important task to learn, to take. Uh, how do, Shannon mentioned this earlier. How do you deal with the people who say, nope, 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 not for me, not for me. I'm just keeping it real, keeping it a hundred. I'm not doing that. That's crazy. You can have it. Yeah. I'm sure you've met that opposition once or twice. I do experiential work, certainly not at your level, but the trust walk, the trust fall, you've seen those activities before yeah. and people are reluctant. So how do you do with the people who are saying, I'm being realistic? Mm -mm. You can have that. That's not for me. Yeah. I, I have a, a great relationship with a woman that I, I met in Atlanta many years ago named Jane, who's near and dear to me. And we were from as, about as opposite sides of the world as we could be. And we ended up working together with lots of groups on tough, tough stuff. And what I found is that we had the ability to create 
an energy swell in the group where moving forward and growth was far easier than to stay stuck. So many people enjoyed and wanted and yearned for what was next that it became uncomfortable and they they realized that they'd self-selected into that stuck category. And they generally would say, I just don't want to do it. It's going to be easier to go along with this than stay so entrenched. And that relationship, that way of working with folks along the way has been just so powerful to me. And I, I carry it with me nearly every day, 25 years later. Bob, have you ever had a moment where you felt stuck? Uh, if you did, <laughs> what did you do to unstick yourself, either mentally, physically? What was that process? Can you think of a time specifically and walk us through that? Uh, there have been more than many times. And um, I, I mentioned that I, I kind of do a lot in life. And so the stuckness to me um, demands that I keep turning that wheel on a number of different spokes. I can tell you that I've had tough job challenges and transitions of places in career where my confidence went down, where my clarity of thinking went down, where my energy level went down. And I had to do a few things like regular exercise, regular prayer for me, regular eating for me, regular faith-based things for me were the foundation that created the opportunity for me to grab the most from the relationships that I have where people will support and pull me out of things. And I have a I have a formal and an informal personal board of directors that I'll call up and say, um, this is what I'm thinking. Or they also have permission to call me and say, you're stuck. Get out of your own way. What's wrong with you? And it's also, Dr. James, at those times that I usually initiate something new in my life that I'm not very good at and that I'm really going to struggle so that if I'm struggling in another area, I've got, I've got two things to move along while I, the rest of the stuff is continuing at that level. I, I felt that energy. The folks who are watching, they don't know the story, but you and I were introduced a couple months ago. Uh, a current mentor, mentee of yours, and well, he says I'm still his mentor. He said he wanted to get both of us together. And I met Mike Ambolino back in the late 80s and you're working with his organization now. But when we had the initial Zoom call, I felt your energy come through the screen. And I said, he's a keeper, he's a keeper, I feel it. And then the stuff, that was a Friday, two days later, I get a letter in the mail from you sharing how you felt about that meeting that we had. And I said, he's good people. I need to keep him close. A lot of power there, a lot of power. That energy you talk about, right? Yeah. Good stuff. Speaking of energy, Shannon. Shan, you got some energy from the chat room. I saw it moving. I saw it moving. Um, just folks are enjoying. Um, I'm enjoying it too. And one of the words that comes, I think, to mind of, of our, our viewers as well as myself, uh, being a CEO of a hospital, I'm married to a trauma surgeon who is on the front lines of the ICU of COVID as well as surgery and all of those great things. Work-life balance. How can we share with our families, those who are watching and tuned in today, how do you get there? Because clearly you've figured out a way from being CEO, managing these leadership teams, going in and um, doing what you do. What's some advice you can give us to, to help manage and 
make work-life balance a part of our lives? Oh, Shannon, you're asking the tough questions. Um, the, the notion of work-life balance is something that I initially in my career and in my life embraced and said, you know, that's something that we should really seek out. Um, I, I have come to a realization, both by myself and my clients, that there isn't really a balance. It's like the scales of justice. There are going to be times where one area demands more than another and other times where that area balances out. I had a time in my career where for one year, I flew 225,000 miles in a year domestically. Wow. Pilots fly about 160. So I was gone Sunday afternoon till Friday night late, every week, every month of the year, my family never saw me and I had a very steep imbalance. There are elements of what that did for me in my career that have paid enormous dividends professionally. And there are scars that I have on my back, mm. on my relationships for the toll that it took. Now, I don't know that I would change that, but to realize that there are periods of, of certainty and uncertainty ebb and flow. And I try and really normalize that with leaders. The piece that I do most is to say, you can't stay too far, too long in a most primary area of your life or something will collapse. I love that. That is so good, especially being married to a surgeon, um, which is really hard to have that balance. But I, I do find when you start to spend an area, you're able to then go in another area that makes mm -hmm. really sense and sharing your time. But do you think that sometimes leaders get that mixed up and think that they always have to be here and just keep continuing to plant, to plant, to plant versus reaping that harvest that does come with potentially taking a healthy break. Shannon, I don't think that. I know that for certain. And I, I've worked, I have the great pleasure of working with uh, some of the best and brightest minds on the planet leading growth companies that are exploding and it's so demanding. And, and in particular, I can think of a leader that is so hard driving. And on the surface, you might think of this guy as just really pushing hard all the time. And I say, I have watched this individual more giving and more helpful to people in critical times than any other human I've seen. And so it's that dichotomy along the way of, Sometimes it's both. It's both and rather than either or. And that's a that all of you that are watching, that's the hard part is to understand it's not um, one or the other. It's both. And how do you balance enough in each area so that it's sustained for the long term? Yes. And Dr. James, before before I disappear. I know that we're in a climate right now that a lot of women, especially those who are watching now, some of us do feel like it's one or the other because especially with COVID going on, um, women uh, especially are in a different situation as leaders of our homes um, and working in the industry. Would you think that is true? What's happening to us right now that women feel like we do have to pick because of what societies and corporations are doing to us? Is that to me or to Dr. James? <laughs> I'll answer. I'll, but Dr. James, you want to give a shot on that first? Uh, yes, yes. I, I believe that 
women are being asked to do heavy lifting or the assumption is they'll get it done because of societal norms and pressures. When we think about who's schooling the children, the knee-jerk action of women, women. It's the thought of the man doing it or if, if the, it is a traditional relationship, but I believe societally, stereotypically, women are being asked to, to do more and really not to have that balance, get them both done effectively. I, I agree with that entirely. Um, I was on, on the phone yesterday with somebody that's in charge of a global enterprise in an incredibly demanding role and helping with homeschooling. And when judgment enters the, the self-talk about, am I doing it right? Am I doing enough? What's it gonna mean? that diminishes the energy to be able to effectively show up, show up at work, show up as a parent, show up as a teacher along the way. So I really try and help people with thinking and talking to themselves in a way that allows them to transcend and move through rather than to get stuck and to trip in that pothole. Love it. Thank you, Shannon. Bob, I have a question for you. Let's stay there because you work with a lot of leaders, executives, and I work with leaders and executives when I'm doing diversity work, when I'm doing presentation skills and leadership work, but going back to the diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation, why haven't leaders consistently been able to figure this out? We're talking not the business case for it, the people case, the human case. As organizations, why can't we consistently get this right? The optics are not good. It doesn't seem as though underrepresented groups and women are climbing that ladder as fast as white men. And we have some brilliant people leading organizations. Why is this one, in your opinion, like picking up a bar of soap in the shower? You just can't pick it up. Any, any thoughts there? It's, it's, it's that's such a big question, uh, Dr. James. And um, the reality from, from my standpoint and so many of the people that I work with is um, they don't wanna see the picture the way it is. Uh, folks don't believe it's there. I have clients, I have friends that have said, you know, it's tough to be a Caucasian male and I, and I can't get a promotion. And I, I'm, I, I'm aghast at that. Folks don't understand so many things about how the world is different and where and how people add value. And I think there's fear on that. I think there's ignorance on that. Um, and there's been a, a, a kind of a tolerance and an acceptance of maintaining those walls. Um, and I think in, in transparency, there's parts of me that have done that along the way. And I, I'm embarrassed about that, but I'm committed to looking at that process differently. It has to be viewed differently and maybe incrementally along the way. Um, I wish I had an answer to why people struggle with that. But I do think much of the solution revolves around understanding the value of each person and how they can contribute uniquely to the value of the organization. Leaders have the responsibility 
to take that look in that time. I think your conversation and your focus on getting unstuck would apply so tremendously here because they're stuck. Many organizations are stuck. Yeah. And they're okay with being stuck. Matter of fact, getting unstuck might move them to uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And your outside training experiences, that's what you're doing with them. You're moving them into uncertainty, discomfort. Let's go there so that discomfort will become the norm. Because when we're young, we go after discomfort. Right. We take right. chances, we jump off swings, mm -hmm. we bike with no hands. Yeah. You know, we do, we do wheelies, we do all sorts of things, no fear. Mm -hmm. Then as we get older, that fear begins to set in and people like you come in and help them shift that. Mm -hmm. we, we certainly need consistent, more consistent support in those areas to continue to see things shift. And as we witnessed this year, this year has been a compelling year for that. We need change. We need healing. I digress. Question for you. Why? No, I'll, I'll go here first. Why create a leadership academy when you were a successful CEO at the hospital? What created the shift? When I look back on my time, that was um, one of the favorite things that I've ever done. And I've done it in a couple hospitals and one of them, I did it in several places. I, I realized that um, creating a great place and, and, and really delivering the very best care to patients couldn't be left solely to a senior leadership team. Right. Needed people throughout the organization. So I came up with an idea one day that I said, I'm going to create a leadership academy and anyone, any employee can apply. They have to write a letter to me telling me why they want to do it. And then they have to come interview me or interview with me. And I had them sit down <laughs> in the formal boardroom and we talk about it. Um, and I sent a letter to all of the employees in the hospital from doctors that weren't on the senior team to everyone at the uh, all levels of the organization. And what I did was pulled together, um, I selected 10 people each year and I, we created an hour and a half slot once a week for 13 weeks. And they would all come together in the boardroom. We would, I put together a curriculum. I had them teach each other, but it was experiential leadership. And they mm. learned content and they learned application. And so we, I knew three things would happen. One group, 30% of the group, would take that leadership experience and grow it, and they would take on greater levels in the organization. I had future leaders on my leadership team from that group. A second would take those great leadership skills that they learned, and they would leave the company and go to some other place. And a third would take that and manifest it in their community some way and make the world a better place. And the people that came through that leadership academy carried the message of growth, carried the message of commitment to patients in ways that I never could do as a CEO, that the senior managers couldn't do. And they told what it was like and shared it. And that was so powerful and had ripples. And today, 10 years later, I have people that have elevated so far in corporate America that call me back and say, it was that leadership academy experience mm. that was the catalyst. 
that makes me more happy than anything in the world, just about. Did you have any concerns when you were formulating this Leadership Academy? Concerns about people who did not make it, people who were jealous, envious, people who thought you were trying to be, you know, superstar? Yeah, yeah, I had all of those. And I believed that it was the right idea and that we could have conversations that were real and growth and building, whether you help sweep the floors, whether you help manage a patient at a difficult time, or whether you're doing finance for the hospital. Right. All of those people could have that conversation. And I thought it would work out. And 90 plus percent, it really worked out. Adventure after adventure, huh? <laughs> yep. Now, I have another picture for you that I'm gonna put on. And the question is, what does this picture mean to you when working with CEOs and leadership teams? Another one of your oh. adventures. What's, what's happening here? So for, for, for most folks, um, this might just seem like a bike rider uh, going down the road. But for me, this is the symbolism of um, all the greatest teams that I work with in fast growth business. You've got a rider that's ostensibly the guy who's supposed to win the race. Um, he's riding 30 miles an hour next to a car and holding on while turning and going around a race course. He can't wreck, the driver of the car can't turn into him. And you've got a guy who's a mechanic leaning out the window, adjusting his bike while not losing any speed on the field. And if the rider or the driver of the car goes the wrong way, his fingers get chopped off. Oh. All of this fixing and tinkering with the bike in live time happens so quickly in a way to accelerate this person back to the front of the race and then win the race. And so for me, the leader, the team behind, the driver, the manager, the mechanic, all of those people have to communicate perfectly in immediate time for the final result to be successful and for somebody not to get really hurt along the way as they're going 30 miles an hour on a tire that's 23 millimeters. It's fascinating and it's a great example of the kind of fast growth pace work that I enjoy doing the most. Bob, it's fascinating. That is amazing, that is amazing. And I promise I'm not gonna to continue to beat the hammer, beat the nail, but this to me, again, in life, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. This to me looks a lot more challenging than sitting down next to someone who I don't know and asking them questions about how can we be more inclusive? I'm saying, <laughs> I guess I'm biased, I'm just yeah. saying. But I'm gonna ask you a series. I'm gonna give you a series of words. And after each word, I'd like for you to give a one word answer. What comes to mind when you hear this particular word? I'm not really good with short answers, but I will. <laughs> First one, heal. Necessary. Communication. Both, both ways. Uncertainty. Fun. <laughs> Ambiguity. Absolute. Career growth. Imperative. Give up. 
Never. Try. Always. Pain. Accepting. Adventure. Necessary. Learning. Every interaction. Family. Everything. Tomorrow. Another opportunity. Love it, love it, love it. Shannon, Shannon, Shannon. Bob is doing his thing. <laughs> Any words what's happening in the, in the chat room or do you have a question or two? You know what, Bob? I bet I can speak for the viewers that have joined us today and, and most folks. Lots of leaders in leadership positions that are not qualified or shouldn't be there. What makes a good leader? Mm. Mm. Someone that can ask good questions without knowing the answers and being willing to listen mm. to the guidance of the people around them. That is so good. Do you find when you go into these organizations and you start to work with the leadership teams, the CEOs, that there are very evident team members that they've overlooked inadvertently that you bring to their attention and say, hey, what about, what about James over here? Yeah. You know, he's a team player and he might not be on your face because people get overlooked who mm -hmm. are these hidden gems or sometimes they're gems that are shining bright, but for some reason are looked over. Do you find that? Very, very frequently. Hmm. Kelly, the astronaut and um, guy who commanded the space station for 500 something days recently talked about the importance for a great leader to go and have individual conversations with as many people that could be influential first before making a team decision. And that might happen in medicine. Um, your husband, who's a, who's a surgeon, you know, sometimes it's the person that's handing the instruments that has some really great ideas about how to improve, mm. how to create better patient care. It's not just the other physician that walks in the room or for a CEO, it's not just the CFO that has all the ideas. Sometimes it's the person that's answering the phone. Yeah. Learning to include those people and sometimes do it in a way that's a one-to-one -one rather than the group because that group can single out and create bias in a I way you don't fully hear the answer. Yeah, it's that like boots on the ground experience that we forget what it's like to be the boots on the ground. And, and they have, they're more objective to, to see the full picture because we become in leadership a lot of times, you only see one way because you forget that positioning. Um, very interesting. I, I, absolutely. And I, you know, some of my best memories as a CEO and building credibility were changing out of a suit at the end of the day and putting on some scrubby clothes and going pulling eight bags of weeds in front of the hospital or washing the windows uh, for all the staff members at the end of their business day and they're looking out going, who's the new window guy? <laughs> Those things that create a connection and an awareness throughout the organization that I think great leaders are responsible to do. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Shannon. Bob, let's, let's stay with that. In terms of great leaders, I would also say in terms of 
great individual contributors. As we look to tomorrow or 2021, how can we accelerate our growth? How can we move from being that leader who's been doing something a certain way, now is dealing with a new normal or a new normal every day or new challenges and the individual contributor who is still trying to figure this out. 2021 may or may not be what 2020 is. Yeah. So in terms of accelerating one's career as an individual contributor and evolving to be an even more transformational leader, what advice do you have? Wow, I, you must have been running through my mind this morning and watched that. <laughs> at, at six o'clock this morning, I was running with a dear friend of mine named Chris. And Chris and I were talking about a, a job opportunity. And he was potentially going to go from a management role down to an individual contributor role. And he had to answer that question in an interview. He gave the best answer I've heard. He said, Bob, there are times as an individual contributor, you can show far more leadership and influence and value in an organization than you can ever with a leadership title. And I, and I nearly tripped and said, Chris, that is absolutely brilliant. So I take that to you, Dr. James, and say, if you're an individual contributor in an organization right now, find a way to link value to what you do for the business, for the customer, for the organization, and for society. When you paint that picture and people understand it, that is leadership. No opportunities like that should be left unturned in 2021, for we will all need plenty of healing and the growth to go with that. What makes this time right now the best time to do that? What about what we're dealing with right now makes this an opportune time to stretch, to flex, to disrupt? There is more disruption now than there has ever been. And I think there's greater tolerance. Um, I also believe that as leaders, there's a different way that you can command or not command presence through a Zoom screen than if you did in a boardroom. And if you could see, I'm, I'm a 6'4 guy, like I'm not small. And so walking in creates that presence. On a screen, I'm on a screen. Right. So I think whether you're small in stature or large in stature, your heart and your passion, individual or team, will link to value that's leadership for everyone. Keeping in line the conversation we're having, keeping in mind, what do you wish will happen? And what do you worry will happen with regard to the state of tomorrow's leaders and executives? What do you wish will happen? What do you worry may happen? I think my wish for happening is far more inclusion and willingness to understand people for who they are, where they come from, and what gifts, skills, and talents they bring to the table. Um, there's too much where people make judgments too soon about a limitation or, or bias that somebody has. And I wish that we would all be a bit more intentional about allowing that experience to develop. 
That's a wish that I have. A worry is that people in businesses and people in their own lives are only focused on delivering a tangible good that's necessary right now and not building, doing, or expanding upon their skill set so that as things open in a different way, that they're better prepared for the future. I think I mentioned early on, one of my gifts and, and the strengths that I bring is to try and help people jump way forward and then look back rather than to stand where they are and try and figure out what it'll be in the future. That's the challenge is a lot of people are only figuring out what's right in front of them right now. And that's gonna leave them limited and, and lack of skills and optimism for the future. Ironic that you've used the verb jump a couple times. This show, the Dr. James show, first started under the premise of jumping into your bigness, jumping into your life. And it resulted from me going uh, skydiving on August 18th, 2018. That was my version of doing my wine hole. Yeah. And after I did it, I was excited. I was telling people about it. And, and a mentor said, well, you, you're a risk taker. You, you do do crazy things like that. But rather than jumping out of a plane once, teach people how to jump into their bigness, jump into their life, jump into writing that book, jump into owning their own restaurant every single day. And you've mentioned jump a couple of times and I'm smiling. Let me slip this in there real quick before we have to go. In doing my research, I saw that you had your thoughts and beliefs around something that's called formal authenticity. And my research is on authenticity. So anytime someone wants to talk authenticity, my ears and eyes are open. Any thoughts? Yeah, I, I had uh, the, the boss that I worked for that I respected most was a guy named Jeff. And um, I showed up and he hired me and he got a lot. And, and it came with kind of a formal presence. I try and suit up, show up uh, with outlines. <laughs> sometimes I'm seen as a little bit rigid. Um, and I think he struggled with that. And he told me that other people around me struggled with whether that's kind of, um, you know, trying to get ahead of people or find a certain angle. Cause I would send emails to executives saying, I hope you have a nice day and wish you holidays. And he said, you know, after I left, when I went and did that other job about a year and a half later, he sent me a letter and he said, you know, one of the special things about you is a formal authenticity. Some people don't know how to take that, but you dress up, you show up, you come pretty focused on how to help out. And he goes, that's really your passion. You care about people. You care about doing a good job. A bow tie on your face or on your round your neck means that you're taking it as seriously as possible and you're not gonna let anything go by. And he said, it took me, Jeff, a while to learn that, but it's what who uniquely makes you and what makes you special. So Jeff and I still have a relationship to these days and I, I can't speak highly enough about him and uh, what he's meant to me. That's good stuff, thank you, thank you. As the plane is about to land or is landing, you know my, my sweet spot is speaking in front of audiences now and learning how to do it effectively from a distance. Yeah. But because of that, I'd like to give our guests an opportunity to do a M-I-N-I, mini keynote toward the end of the show. I'm going to ask you to look right into that camera. 
pretend like you're on stage or in a Zoom session with three gajillion people watching and you're closing the show. You're informational, you're transformational, you're motivational. What pearls, what final tips can you give them to help them complete the year strong and move into an even stronger 2021? Mic check, mic check. <laughs> Dr. James, thank you. Um, I've had a great privilege and time to cover a lot of topics today. Um, but I think most importantly and most distilled for me is I have a, a passion statement for myself and, and how I guide my life. And it's to help family, self, and others live to their inspired, with a capital I, potential. And that's a bit of my faith in there. But I really like helping people and myself and my family and others live to be their very best. And I happen to believe that's through setting a foundation that allows you to spring forward when the time is necessary and fall back but not drop too far when times are tough. So I want people to know that you're far more capable than you believe that you are and if you surround yourself with great people that are willing to give you direct guidance, they're willing to help out in times of need and also help move you along when things are going well. So be courageous, be adventurous, be committed to others and find the right way to help your neighbor along the way. I'm doing that to try and include other people and it's kind of who I am as my fiber. So I thank you, Dr. James, and Shannon for having a show like this and just for me to have the opportunity to, to hopefully give some words to folks that are meaningful to them in their lives. Powerful, powerful, very, very timely as well. Shannon, thoughts? I'm just taking it all in and folks are saying, uh, Kathy, she said she had the great fortune of getting to know Bob years ago, our organization. Um, Let's see, our organization um, were partnered and you made a lasting impact on her and uh, great to see you. Glad to hear you're addressing leadership blind spots, uh, said somebody else. Uh, thank you, Bob, so much. This was absolutely captivating, wonderful hour. We learned so much about you, your drive, outlook on life, ready to jump into my day. And lastly, you, you know, you've been creating an emotional connection for everyone and this has been incredible. Thank you so much, so many takeaways. The teacher arrived right on time. Bob W. is a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. And Shannon and I, ditto, co-sign. Yes. What a privilege, what a privilege to just, just listen and hear your thoughts about leadership, individual contributorship. We have work to do and we have work to do now. For those of you who tune in, thank you. Uh, we keep getting better. And we look forward to you coming back next week. We look forward to you implementing the ideas and tips and thoughts that Bob shared. Reach back out to us and let us know how you're doing it. Info at drjamesmithjr.com. And if there's a topic or an idea you want us to explore, please let us know that as well. But for this particular show, this particular gift, Bob gave you Christmas in November. Enjoy, utilize, share, and we'll see you back here next week. Oh, one more thing. 
You've just been impacted. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>